How you doing today? Hey, could you turn up the house lights a little bit for me if you can do that so that I can see the people I'm talking to, okay? Because they look so good out there. And you who are online, we just want to welcome you today also, and uh, we appreciate everybody getting here. The presence of the Lord is in the house, nothing like it, a prelude to heaven, a wonderful embracing of the Spirit of God upon the people of God is just amazing. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just got like a special little dose of the, of, of, of the Lord this morning just to help me. How about you? You need help? How many of you in this place would admit that you might need a little bit help to do what you need to do for Jesus? Amen? So we're going to do that today. You know, we're in, we're in this series, The Beatitudes, just a wonderful, wonderful message that Jesus preached and uh, helping us to understand what it's like to follow him. And the first four parts of the of the Beatitudes really helps us to understand our relationship with God. It's sort of like us and God, you know, the poor in spirit, you know, you need to know that you're poor in spirit, that without Christ we're nothing. There's no way we can get to the Father. And he talks about mourning over our sins. And then we talk about being meek before God and, and man. And, and then we ended last week with uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, which is a, a hallmark of a, of a follower of Christ. But, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is, is if, we, if we get all those in a row and then we just stop right there, we haven't completed the cycle that Beatitude wants to give us. And that cycle continues today as we, we, we connect with others. Because, you know, it's, it's like the Lord, he kind of like played a trick on us. He said, yeah, I love you. You love me. We got this thing going on. But hello, there's a whole bunch of human beings that you also need to connect to and help. And that's where we're going today in the, in the Beatitudes as we talk about mercy. Mercy me. And that's not just a ban. That's just the way it is. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I just love the way the Lord, it, I, our salvation is unconditional. And, but then he puts conditions on a lot of other things. So he says, blessed are the merciful. And you know what? If you're merciful, you're going to receive mercy. And the thing about mercy, the definition, because I'm a definition guy, I love, I love to understand a word. And the definition of mercy, or one of them is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone, now get this, whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. In other words, you have something over somebody and you have the ability to punish them with that. But forgiveness flows into compassion, and you show it towards that person. Sounds like God towards us. You know, mercy is compassion for all people. Sometimes it's easy to have mercy and compassion upon good people who are going through a hard time. But it's, it's much harder to have compassion upon bad people who are going through a good time. And so we need to understand this now. If we're going to understand mercy, we must first experience God's mercy towards us. 
This is so very important. It's like, it's like first base. You've got to get here to realize that God has mercy upon humanity. And that once we receive that, we got to give it. But now watch this, folks. You cannot give something you have not received. Do you understand that? You have to experience God. You have to know that you know that you know that you've experienced God. And the thing about mercy, it's an essential quality of God because I want you to imagine a perfect, your perfect, holy, completely pure God without mercy upon humanity. God who has the ability, who knows everything, who, who is perfect and no one else is perfect, has the ability and the right to, to put wrath upon mankind. Think about that. The Bible says if every transgression was measured, no one could stand. And only God would have the ability to do that. You see, mercy is God compassionately withholding from us what we deserve. Now, this doesn't go over big with religious people who think because they walk in a church or they have a Bible or whatever, it doesn't go over big with them because somehow or another we feel like we've got something going for ourselves. But for the people who realize that without Jesus Christ, there's absolutely no hope, then this makes a lot of sense that God withholds from us what we deserve. And the Scriptures prove that out to us in Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible reads, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, all of mankind. But God, but God, thank, thank, thank that, that that's in the Bible a lot of times. Pastor Jordan just shared with us that you were not born knowing God. You, you, it's, not about, it's not about sins. We, we so major on sins. But it's so much deeper than that. It says here that by nature, we were children of wrath. By nature. That means when you were born, you were a sinner separated from God. By nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy, thank God, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, there we go, dead, can do nothing for ourselves, made us alive together with Christ and only with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It's really, really important to know that we were born in the red with the deficits. We were, we were behind the eight ball, so to speak. We didn't have a prayer, a chance. There was no hope. Right out of the, the, the womb, it's just amazing. And you say, well, that's a wonderful little child. Yes, but you, that wonderful little child, when you, when you just keep feeding it and nurturing it, it grows up into a nasty little child. <laughs> Come on now. And then it grows up into a, mon <laughs> grows up into a teenager, God help us, and, and, and then into a smart aleck young adult. And then into a sort of sublime middle-ager and then to a know-it-all old person. <laughs> and, and that's the cycle of life that we go through, not realizing that by nature we're separated from God. And God's mercy is not for only our sins, not only for your conduct, but God's mercy and forgiveness is for your nature, your, your condition. And that's where we get it all wrong. We always want to deal with the conduct all the time, not realizing that that doesn't get it with God just to change your conduct. 
You can change your conduct, turn over a new leaf, be a better person, and still be separated from God because your nature. And so he wants to, he wants to work with our condition. I, I'll give you an example of how we are as church people. When we listen to somebody's story or their testimony about coming to Christ, and it's just amazing how when the person stands up before you, or maybe it's one-on-one, or you read in a book or watch a video, and the person stands up, and usually it's a tough guy, you know, and I was bad, and I just, you got to understand how horrible I was. I mean, I stole and robbed, and, you know, I was a womanizer and drank whiskey every day, and, man, I'll tell you what, I hated everybody, and I, I beat up my mama, and I, I didn't like my daddy, and I was a horrible person. You understand how it was. And, man, everybody's going, whoa, man, and I came to Christ, and Christ forgave me, and, oh, man, oh, wow, God is good. Isn't he good? And then the little church boy comes up and says, well, my story is that I was raised in a home with parents who loved Jesus and all my life I was in church and at an early age I, I realized that I was, you know, a sinner and I needed Christ. And so I remember one day in Sunday school, children's church, I, I, just, I just gave my heart to Jesus all by myself and, and I've been living for him for the last 25 years and and everybody goes, not realizing that both testimonies are identical. And both testimonies testify of the goodness of God on rank sinners. Are you getting this? If you're getting it, just shake your head. If you're alive, just shake your head. Say, I, I'm getting it. You're online. Just shake your head right there on your couch. Shake your head. Because you've got to get this. You've got to get this that it's, it's not about that. Look, watch this. In Psalm 51, David, the king of Israel, saw a woman one day. He wanted her. He took her. She became pregnant. She was the wife of one of his generals fighting out in the battle while he's messing with the wife at home. She gets pregnant. He wants to hide it, so he brings the man home from the front line. He wants him to get with his wife, and then they can say it's their child, but the man wouldn't do it because all his men are fighting. He said, I'm not coming home to my wife. And so David went to plan B, and that is put him in the front of the battle so that he's sure to die. He dies. David marries the woman. They have a child, and everything's all right, and no one knows, and everything's good except God knows. And so God sends a prophet to him and tells him, you know, you're a bad guy. You did this. You did that. And the king of Israel writes in Psalm 51, he says, have mercy on me. It is so good to start with that. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And there it is. I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, how does that affect us? Condition, conduct. See, once your condition is changed, then your conduct kind of trails behind. You know what I'm talking about? Condition leads and conduct. Our hope is that soon, one day, sort of, at least a lot, our conduct will catch up with our. Are you getting that? Our conduct will catch up with our condition. And some of you said, whoa, I got a lot of work to do. Trailing behind. How does it affect us? Here it is. 
once we receive the mercy of God and we know that we know that we know that God has forgiven us. And I love these songs we sing. My God, just the presence of the Lord just really enveloped me. How good he is, how bad I was, and now how wonderful I am connected to him. God is continuously merciful to us. So as followers of Christ, we must be merciful to others. So important here. It's starting to churn in you. Right now, you're even thinking about people you need to have mercy on. And, and some of you are saying right now, I don't want to have mercy on them. God, I want you to strike them down. And I know how you feel. Luke chapter 6. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. God's desire for you is that you follow him, the father, and that you follow Jesus. That's his desire. In one place he says, be perfect like I'm perfect. Be mature like I'm mature. Be merciful like I'm merciful. In other words, you've received mercy. Now let's give a little mercy. Doesn't it say it's better to give than to receive? That's not just talking about money. You receive mercy and so now get yourself ready to give mercy. How do we show mercy? Well, we show compassion on broken people. I want you to think about broken people for a minute. Think with me. Get in your mind and your heart what, it, what do you think broken people are. Because we must see people like God sees people. We've got to look through the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus had mercy on broken people, the lost. As a matter of fact, he said, I come to seek and save that which is lost. And so we follow the example of Jesus. We know that. We know that Jesus went to people like the maniac of Gadara, full of demons, naked, cutting themselves in a graveyard. We know that Jesus went to Mary Magdalene with seven demons inside of her and cast those out of him. We know that Jesus went to the tax collector, Zacchaeus, who was just a, a, a wee little man, but a mean little man, a bad little dude. We, we, we know that Jesus also went to Nicodemus, one of the highest religious leaders in all of Israel. The thing about us is that we always feel like the people that need mercy are the down and outers. They need compassion. They don't have enough food. They're, in, they're here. They're there. They've got, in, they don't have a nice car. They, their house is broken down. They, their life is messed up. And, and, and we, we seem to always want to go just to them. But guess what? Anyone who is outside of Christ is a downer and an outer. Every one of them. I remember when I first got saved, I mean, I was like on fire, really. I mean, like I was lost and I'm saved and I knew it and I'm changed and it's different. And wow, this is fantastic. And so I wanted to tell people. Nobody had to tell me to tell people. So I, I, I worked in accounting and so I'm, I'm in this office and the salespeople come in and other people come in. And next thing you know, some people are kneeling down in my office and I'm praying for them to receive Jesus. And I'm like, what's going on here? How does this even work? And sometimes I would go in the warehouse and talk to the truck drivers and the guys that loaded materials and things of this nature, and I would just end up, we would talk about Jesus, and I would, I would just minister to them. I didn't know what I was talking about. Probably half the stuff I said was error, but God has grace. <laughs> when you first got saved, you say all kind of crazy stuff. You just, you're like on fire. I mean, if you're on fire, you're running around, rolling, hopping, jumping, screaming. But then I also found myself in the office of lawyers working on things that we had to work on and realizing that Andy Broussard was lost. 
and undone. Beautiful office, a lot of money, great clothes, fancy suits, man, nice suits. Lost. And so I would just tell him about Jesus. It's not just those that are down and out and people without money. It's people without Christ that matters. People who have done stuff to us. We show forgiveness towards those who have hurt us. And look, this is huge here. This is huge. There are so many people living today, sitting in this room right now, sitting on those couches in your home. You're all alone. You've been hurt desperately by someone. You're afraid to tell someone. You're afraid to share it. You've been a Christian for a long time. You feel like you should have already overcome it. You feel like it, it's not necessary anymore. But yet that thing is weighing heavy on you and it's time to show forgiveness towards people who have hurt us. Because you'll never be free, not really free, not completely free until you start working in this area. And yes, you are in control. Yes, that person did something. Yes, that person should pay. Yes, Lord, they should pay. You got the power to bring down the wrath on them. But yet God has had mercy on you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. You know, the thing is that I'm, I'm wondering about Peter here. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to share about Peter in a minute, but I, 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 Peter's always listening to Jesus. So Jesus speaking here, he says this. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's sweet. I like that. Don't you like that? Forgive me my sins, Father. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Sounds like a formula to me. God forgives me, I forgive you. God forgives me, I forgive you. God forgives me, I won't forgive you. I forgive you, God forgives me. I forgive you, God forgives me. Are you getting this? And so the horror of unforgiveness is this. God may not be forgiving you your sins unless you forgive others. That's deep stuff, man. Wow. That's, whew. wow. And then I think about Peter. He's listening to all of this. He's listening, man. And he's saying, later on, not right here, but later on, but it might have been right here. I don't know. Chapters were not in Jesus. He's not speaking to saying, in chapter 3, I'm going to say this. But finally, Peter comes to him. Can't you just see Peter? Peter's such a mess, but so great. I mean, he's wonderful, but he's a mess. And he says this. He says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I mean, Lord, how many times somebody's going to do me wrong and i got to forgive them? How many times? And, and, and then Peter says, well, you know, uh, as many as seven times. And I think that's pretty good. Forgiving somebody seven times is not bad. And Jesus, I could just, I could just see Jesus going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, seven times, of course. But, but really what I'm telling you, I, I think you ought to do it 70. 
seven times. Seven times seven. You ought to just, in other words, you ought to just forgive people perpetually. And I know this is hard. Listen, I know it's hard. And I'm not ignorant to the fact that some of you sitting in this room and at your home, that there are people close in your life who continually harm you, who continually give you reason to struggle with forgiving. I know that. But I also know that there is a place in Christ, this safe place, where the grace of God is abundant, that will allow you to live even in that. Because God is able to do exceedingly. He's able to do abundantly above everything you're able to ask. He's supernatural. Jesus tells a parable right after this. And he said, there was a servant to a master. The master called in all the people, all his servants, and he wanted to settle accounts with them because evidently he was lending money to them. And this one man owed him a lot of money. I mean, a bunch. Let's say a million dollars. Let's just say that. And when he said, you got to pay me, the man didn't have the money. He fell on his face. He began to beg the king because the king was not only going to put him in prison, but his wife and kids. No more sell them so that he could pay the debt. And he's begging and he's crying and, 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 and the king has compassion upon him, mercy upon him, and forgives him of the debt. Not an extended payment plan. Complete forgiveness. Can you imagine you owe somebody a million dollars and your life is in the balance and they forgive that debt to you and you walk out of that room free? And so he walks out of that room free and he runs into a fellow employee a fellow servant that owed him a couple of bucks, let's say a 20 spot. <laughs> and what does he do? He just got forgiven of me. 20 bucks. The Bible says he grabbed him and he began to choke him and say, you're going to pay up, I'm telling you. And the man said, I can't pay up. He, he threw him in jail so that he would pay the debt. Well, thank God for some tattletales because some of the other servants saw this and said, wait a minute, this is an injustice and we're not putting up with this. Look, don't come down on whistleblowers too much because sometimes they bring justice. They went and told the king, said, hey, you remember that he just gave him a million and he's not here. He just choked. He just threw this guy in jail for 20 bucks. And the king said, oh, well, that's just the way life is. No. The king said, go get him, bring him back, and put him in jail until he's able to pay. He ends that story with this. So shall it be to everyone who will not forgive others from their heart. From the heart, guys. Not from the head, not because the preacher's preaching about it, not because you think it's the right thing to do to help your conduct score, but that from the heart you forgive and you release. And for nothing else, because Christ has forgiven me. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness is not, because we got to get it straight, folks, because we are just thinking people. 
This is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You just can't forget stuff, man. Some things get a little bit vague, but you know, vague. But you can't forget things that happen to you. It's impossible. It's not immediately trusting the person that did this to you. Like, oh, okay, uh, I forgive him, Lord. I forgive you. Okay, let's do this thing all over again instantly. Oh, mm. it's, it's not the removal of consequences for the person or even for you. Some things we do have consequences. And even though we love God and we forgive, and we, sometimes you just got to pay the debt, man. And some of you might be shaky, say, I got a debt. Oh, my goodness. You mean that if I, if I bring it to light, there's a debt to pay? Sometimes there's a debt to pay. You can't ignore the offense. You can't have instant emotional healing. These things. You can't have the restoring of a relationship. Sometimes the relationship will never be restored the way it was. And sometimes you got to realize that forgiveness is not leveraging your power over people. Remember when I forgave you? That's not God. Because God doesn't say that to you. Because he takes your sin and places for us. The east is from the west. And one place it says in the sea of forgetfulness. In other words, God forgives you and he forgets it. He can do that. What forgiveness is, is very, very simple. It's letting go of the right to get even. Romans tells us that, that, that vengeance is the Lord's, not mine. The Apostle Paul modeled that when he was talking to Timothy and said, this guy in town, the coppersmith, his name is Alexander, he has done me a lot of harm, man. He has really, really got in my way, but the Lord repay him. Forgiveness is dropping resentment and grudges. Forgiveness is a choice. It's an opportunity to display grace. It's, people need forgiveness for all sorts of things. And he forgiveness, my goodness, for slander and gossip and unreasonable expectations and various abuses, some of them are so heavy. Some offenses that you go through, you know, you can forgive. You get over it in a day and say, oh, I'm, somebody say, I'm sorry I said it that way. I didn't mean to say it that way. I just, I just have it a bad day. Say, oh, hey, look, I understand. I have bad days. I forgive you. Yeah, okay, hey, give me, we all, everything's fine, you know. I, I will admit it took me seven weeks to get over the word you said, but I'm good now. Thank God for his power. But then there are those things that happen that are really, really deep and difficult. I mean, can we agree with that? And we hide some of that so much. We live 10, 20, 50 years, some people, with things that just have been eating them up. And though you try to go forward in life and Many of you try to follow Christ and there's always these obstacles and you, you can just get so far and then, then there's, there's this deal that goes on inside of you. And more than likely it's because there's unsettled things, just things that you need to work with, things that you need grace for. The thing about forgiveness is that it's, 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 it's not an, it's, it's, unforgiveness is not an option. It's just not there. And, and the thing about forgiveness, many times it's a process. I think about this man, uh, Aaron Ralston. He was rock climbing in Utah. And most of you remember the story. He got his arm caught between two rocks and he's all alone. 
And he's just hanging there and for hours and days, what to do, what to do. All he had was a dull pocket knife. What can I do? If I stay here, I'm going to die of thirst or hunger. I, I don't know what to do. I can't get out. There's no help. There's nothing. All I've got is this pocket knife. What can I do? You can imagine the turmoil that this man was going through. And finally, he decides to take out that not-so-sharp pocket knife. And he begins, my God, he begins to gnaw away at his wrist. He begins to cut. The, I, I heard his testimony. I listened to him speak. And he said, he said, when it came to the tendons, to cut the tendons with that dull knife was nearly impossible. Hours and hours of torment and pain. But the alternative was a slow, hard death. We're not talking about a raccoon caught in a trap gnawing off his paw. We're talking about a man that's hanging in the balance and literally hanging in the balance. And, and so he cuts his hand off. That wasn't the end of his trial. Now he's got to walk out. Tremendous. He said, well, what in the world does that have to do with forgiveness? Well, you sever the limb and live. Or you stay intact and die. And the thing about forgiveness, sometimes when you forgive, you live a piece of yourself there. I'm just here to tell you, folks, that sometimes we're just not, never the same. We always think that we go from this to perfection all the time. Problem, perfection. And nothing ever affects us, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it alters our life. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. You might have to be like Jacob when he fought with the Lord at the four Jabbok. You know your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. And the Lord touched him in, in the hip. And for the rest of his life, he walked around with a limp. It's okay to have a limp. It's all right. You're free. I'd rather have a limp and be free than be whole, hanging in the balance with unforgiveness, without mercy. One thing we've got to understand, folks, is that when we extend mercy to people, if we'll look deeper and see the way God sees, if you'll just look deeper, look, look past the pride and the arrogance and maybe the, you know, the, the boastfulness and the strength, if you look past all that, get way deep, you find out most of the time it's a hurt, scared individual fighting their own battle, taking it out on you. That doesn't mean it's right. You know that. You know, in my life, me personally, One particular instance I'm thinking of, something that I did that was wrong, selfish, indecent, perpetrated against someone who didn't deserve it, completely on me. And then I was forgiven by God. 
Hallelujah. Set free. But the cycle wasn't complete until I was forgiven by that person. It was like a, it was like a weight. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like almost waiting to be caught. And then when you get caught and everything's finished, it's like, I'm so glad I got caught. Thank God for the mercy of that person to me. Saved my life. Fast forward 30 years. And then something is done to me. Indirectly, but it, it might as well have been a sword through my heart. And I found myself on the other side of this equation. And I couldn't forgive. <laughs> I'm a pastor of a church preaching on forgiveness, and I'm struggling with forgiveness. I can't get it done. I know I should. I know the scriptures. I know what it will do. I understand the outcome. But I cannot get over this hump. I cannot do it. Until the Lord, in his mercy. And I'm telling you, it's mercy, guys. You hear me? This ain't no joke. This is a big, big deal. What I could not do. Although it had been given to me 30 years before, the process I was in was beating me up until Jesus intervened supernaturally through a dream. Most dreams I have are dumb and stupid and make no sense, but this one wasn't. This one wasn't. I didn't need an interpretation. I didn't need anybody to come in me, tell them, and then they tell me what it's about. I knew right off, bam. Because when I woke up, I had forgiven. And I was free. And all the pain of all those months carrying that weight was released. I was shown mercy. And then I showed mercy. And the cycle was complete. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's bow our heads together right now. Come on, clear your mind of what you're going to be doing here in a little while. All this kind of stuff, just focus in right now. First of all, focus you who are in this room, that you've never experienced the wonderful mercy of God to forgive your sin nature, to change you from the inside out. There's an opportunity right now for you, right this very moment. The Lord wants to forgive you and the Lord wants to change you. God's giving you an opportunity. God is opening the door to his kingdom for you right now. He's saying, the door is open. I've paid the price for your sin. I will forgive you. I will have mercy upon you, and I will allow you to enter my kingdom. Those of you in this room right now who don't know Jesus, who have never truly experienced his love and compassion and his mercy and his forgiveness, 
I want you to do something right now. Just while everybody's got their eyes closed, I want you to just say a prayer. That's right. You're going to talk to God. Maybe you were like me and had never talked to God in your life. And then one day it came where somebody led you. I'm leading you right now. Just say this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. I am a sinner. I'm separated from you. I've been playing church and religion and I kind of dabble. But, Lord, I don't know you. And I don't have satisfaction of eternity in my heart. But today, I receive what you did for me on the cross. Go ahead, just say that. Say, thank you for paying for my sin. You shed your blood for me. I thank you for that. Just tell him, say, I receive you, Lord, in my life right now. Now, if you did that, you meant that the Lord has forgiven you. And it's a wonderful, wonderful time. You may not even know what it means. You may not feel anything. Don't worry about all that. You've committed your heart to God. He'll start the process of taking care of your conduct. And he'll take you through a great journey of healing and restoration. And who knows what God will do with your life in the next years to come. Now, everybody look up here now. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different today. In just a moment, I'm going to call up the prayer team. And we're going to have people standing all across the front of the room right here. And now is the time for every one of you who are in need of forgiveness in your own life. We, I know we took communion. I know you were supposed to examine yourself, but some of you have held back. You, you just, you've got this thing. You just don't know what to do. And today God's going to break that off of your life. Because you're going to come up and you're going to get with one of these prayer team members, people of compassion and mercy, people who are considerate, who just want to agree with you for prayer, for forgiveness of things that you've been harboring. And then for the rest of you who have been hurt deeply, maybe you've tried all by yourself. You need somebody to just agree because I'll tell you what, in the prayer of agreement, there is power and God does special things. You're going to have to be bold. You don't worry about what people think. We are so caught up in what people think. It's time to forget about people and what they think about you and come to God and get what you deserve from the Lord, what he paid for. My goal today, as I've shared best I know how, is that you leave this room free. Free like the song we just sang. Just to where you can just stand free in God. If you're in your house right now, in your car, God is with you. It's the same thing. You just need to stand or kneel in your home right there. Maybe it's with your spouse who's right on the side of you. And maybe there's been great offense there. And your marriage is disintegrating. Maybe your kids are here and there. And you just need to bring the whole family together and forgive one another. And be healed. For some of you who are married in here, you need to both come up holding hands, embracing your heart, and go before God and forgive one another today, right now. Not any longer do you wait. Do you let this thing fester? Do you let it grow any longer? You get it free because there's nothing better than a good, healthy marriage.